show filled with epicness, insight, and comedy rages. Welcome to We Love That Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Love That Podcast, the entertainment news and opinion show about the things that we love. Unless it's the things that we don't love. And today we might talk about a few things like that. Just a little. Well, I'm Paxton Pritchett. <laughs> there are a lot of things we don't love. <laughs> there are a lot of things we don't love. For being a show called We Love, that podcast, we do talk about things we don't love. Yeah. Every now and then we have to let, let our inner cynic go loose. Yes, especially when Adam's here. Especially when Adam's here. <laughs> yes. So today we are here with a very good friend of mine my very own brother and one of Garrett's close friends, Parker Pritchett. Parker, good to have you here today. Thank you, Paxton. It's good to be here. He's my brother. <laughs> and uh, well, Parker w- did some test episodes with us before the show actually begun, but we're proud to say that he is with us here now. So that's like a dream come true. It'll be great when we come to the day when we're all four together. That's like the and, Parker, and we we also need to throw this out there. Parker has been an ardent supporter of We Love That Podcast from the very beginning. I mean, this is a man who has listened to every episode three times. Every episode. <laughs> he knows every line that we have ever said That's on the show. Biggest fangirl we have. I yes. mean absolute fangirl. Yeah. How many list episodes have you listened to? I haven't here? listened to a single one. <laughs> I know it hurts my feelings. <laughs> Parker, random stranger from Brazil's listened to it, and you've never listened to an episode. Shout out Shout to our out. Brazilian listener. We yeah. don't know you, but we love you. Yes, we love we love that listener. And the Switzerland listener that listened yes. Switzerland, we love them too. <laughs> my very own brother, someone who has my very own. Uh, something yes yeah brother hasn't your well, very own blood my very own blood blood hasn't listened to it well today we have some very exciting things to talk about first one call it tragic or call it the greatest thing ever call it the most insanest isn't i don't know if insanest is a word we'll pretend most it's insane. most insane most insanest move ever but Xbox, aka Microsoft, Bill Gates's company, has bought out Activision slash Blizzard slash King, which is like all one big company or something, for $70 billion. He's insane. It is, wait, lost it, his marbles. I know, crazy. Now, is it Bill Gates's fault that they bought all this? I don't know. Me neither. You I mean, it might as well. It is your fault. Whatever mistake the organization makes is your mistake. It is Bill's fault. <laughs> and he has to own that. And yeah. just he has to own just that. To. Phil Spencer, the CEO of Xbox, is because yeah. yeah. he just so he is so what? I said and just he has to own that. And just he does, yes, have to own that. Yeah. So think about that. For $70 billion. That is a lot of money, especially since like. What's that other big company, Bethesda? Bethesda. Bethesda. <laughs> what was it called? Is it Bethesda or Bethesda, Bethesda that makes Skyrim? It is not Bethesda. <laughs> it was Bethesda. I like that those two words are interchangeable in, in the Bible. Are they? I think so. I thought they were two separate Maybe. things. I'm not sure. I don't know. They're very close. So Bethesda, they bought out Bethesda. 
for like, let me just look up how much because it's so it's so much less. It's like a little baby amount of money. How much did Microsoft buy Beth Thesda for? Seven point five billion. So Skyrim is nowhere near worth as much money as Call of Duty, apparently. Dang. I know, right? That it's just it's just, it's crazy. Like, think about it, Gary. What are your first thoughts when you hear that act that Microsoft's done it again and bought another company? This is like Disney, you know, Disney buying out all these different companies in the movie business. Then my, Xbox is doing the same with the video game business. What are your thoughts when you hear that? Well, the the great video game race is is on, and uh, Microsoft is certainly trying to to keep up with Sony's acquisitions and their major major publishers for their video games so they're they're trying their best to sort of keep keep on the same path and collect as many exclusives as they can as well and activision obviously um means a lot for you know call of duty which is which is call of duty is a game that has become synonymous to video games i mean it's it's arguably the most popular first person shooter out there um you know, sells millions of copies every time they release a new game. So every year. Yes, every Some year there's definitely gonna be a new game. Some better than others for the fans. Yes. Yes. So you know, it's uh it's just an, another chapter in the saga of the of the console wars. And it, it'll be interesting to see how much Microsoft gets a return on their investment, which I I can't imagine I mean, they up seventy billion dollars. Like, but, I mean, granted, well, yeah, Disney bought Star Wars for four billion. Well, Lucasfilm, but they, they probably they, bought for Star they Wars. probably didn't break even on that until maybe even after the sequel trilogy finished. <laughs> the Last Jedi broke any chances of them breaking it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so think about it. How can you make up seventy billion dollars? Like. Now, granted, they do own World of Warcraft with Blizzard, and they own Candy Crush Saga with King. And let's face it, that's true, microtransactions. Everyone's played Candy Crush Saga and loved it. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone for a season. There was a day when Candy Crush ruled the world. I love candy. Is that in the game? I love candy. It's not a commercial, I think. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Still, so much money. And poor Bethesda. Just seven point five billion. Just a small seven point five billion. <laughs> yeah, a very small acquisition in comparison. Well, that was more than Disney paid for Lucasfilm. And think about it. I think you brought this up earlier, Parker. Disney bought Fox for like seventy one point three billion. A, a a movie studio that's been around for like a hundred years <laughs> versus Activision for seven, like almost as much. Like that's a lot of money. They must be betting that Activision will publish some more games in the future, not Call of Duty. Um, So this also, so I know, Garrett, you probably do say that PlayStation is winning the video game wars. Would you say that? Where we stand right now, yes. Um, Do you think they make good old Xbox come back with a vengeance? I mean, I I certainly think that Microsoft will... uh, will try to beat PlayStation at their own game in some respects. Um, I think their recent acquisitions reflect that. But, I mean, there's there's always a chance that that Microsoft will 
try to try to most heavily rely on what they're trying to do um, themselves, which is move towards cloud-based gaming and yeah. uh, like a one a one size fits all gaming solution for everyone, um, which is certainly not the route that PlayStation is taking. PlayStation's relying on their their tried and true method of you know releasing popular consoles that really make a big a big splash when they drop on the market and uh of course relying on their their titles which i I don't think i don't think microsoft could ever touch playstation's titles no matter how many uh studios they acquire but um so So, yeah they're they're just trying to they're just trying to stir up a little more publicity around around their platforms where whereas right now sony is definitely winning that battle with the the ps5 and upcoming titles this year on that console are gonna hmm. are gonna probably make or break the generation so so for many of us what generation none of us even have (laughs) yes yes but now and and you know playstation has also recently ramped up production of ps4s to wow to, i mean that's true though that's true but they're gonna sell them people yeah are gonna people buy are gonna them buy them we can't oh buy yeah them. people are people are gonna buy them who are just so eager to get their hands on these new games more than the console because there are some there are a whole lot of playstation fans out there who would just as soon play the next generation games on the previous generation yeah. console i mean that's so they're, they're just gonna appeal to those to those people while they can while they try to catch up with the production of ps5s because PS5s are going to continue to sell out throughout the rest of this year and probably into next year. So that's just crazy. They've already said PS5 is their best selling console as far as as long as it's been on the market. Wow. So so they're they're definitely uh, they're definitely rolling in it with PS5. And I mean, I just I am an Xbox fan because I'm a Halo fan and, and Halo fan alone. I mean, yes, I love Xbox, but I mean, if Halo went third party, I'd probably say buy and just move to PlayStation, me personally. <laughs> so I, I mean, it, it is all because of old Halo, but yeah, like this, the, the PS5, you can't beat that controller versus the Xbox. Like I've never even used a PS5 controller, but I've, I've been playing on a Series X controller. I'm like, yeah. They didn't win the the controller war. Yeah, they, they, uh, and and once again, that reflects that more reflects Xbox's Xbox's presentation. They're they're uh, they're not ones to really try and and branch out very much. They're very conservative. I mean, just looking at the designs of both of the new generation consoles. I mean, you have the PS5, which looks like a router from out of space yeah. and then you have the xbox series s and x which yeah, pretty right. much are just like little little stove top yeah it's a stove top <laughs> yes so they're just they're taking a very conservative approach a very uh, measured approach to to video games being that being microsoft right now much more conservative than bill gates <laughs> <laughs> i just had to say that well, and Gates nowadays is more focused on the foundation. Like he he has uh, he has let a lot of his oversight of Microsoft uh, slide in the past several years. So he's he's not as involved with Microsoft's day to day 
activities as he once was. He's running the foundation full time right now. So uh-huh. that's taking up most of his time. That's true. He's still a major stakeholder in Microsoft, but. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, this deal, very interesting. I mean, like I said, I love Xbox. I love Halo. Halo's my my my, my, my game. My homeboy, I guess. I love it. <laughs> but this is just interesting. Just an interesting deal for $70 billion buying Activision. Like, I'm sure that is probably the biggest video game buy of, any, of all time. Video oh, yeah. Ever. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine spending more than more than seventy billion dollars on a other than someone bought Xbox. So one last yeah. thing to talk about for the three for these companies for like for PlayStation and Xbox and video games. I think it was what you said, Parker. I think you're the one that said this first. But like, or maybe it was you, someone. It wasn't me. But like now more than ever, the three the big three are really splitting away in ideas mm. and ideologies. Yeah. Nintendo instead of trying to compete with the other two, because at one point they were all similar. They all got a lot of the same games. But now Nintendo's starting to move its own direction and say, forget the world. We're on our own island producing our own games. And they're great games. And they're making lots of money. And they're making killer money off of it. (laughs) And then you got PlayStation, which is the most conservative, kind of like, let's stay making our own games, but also having the third party. But then Xbox is saying, let's do Netflix for video games. And it's just crazy how they're changing. They're all three going their own separate ways. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're very much uh, truly. They're each each of the three are truly becoming their own brand now. Yeah, um, video games are not as synonymous as they once were. That's that's for sure. Yeah, spread across the different the different families. Cool. Well, and in other news, we have a. And we've talked about this a lot of times on the show already. So don't go like if you're like you know listening because we got some new news if that's even the word on it and that is the batman we've had some new (laughs) (laughs) come out one the runtime so the batman like if just in case you're new to the show the batman is an upcoming american superhero film based off yours truly the batman and it's going to be a new universe everyone knows everyone is aware it's true everyone like they're they're done with Ben Affleck, and, and we say that because everyone went to see No Way Home, and they saw the trailer for the Batman at No Way Home. So everyone was away. It was a good trailer as well. As to everyone's oh. seen No Way Home. Yes. So it's yeah. like the eighth top top grossing movie of all time. Isn't that crazy? Seventh or eighth. That's just cool, right there. It thrust Incredibles two off the top ten list. Incredibles was on Woo! there. Incredibles, Incredibles two. Huh. Which is not which, which was a dumpster fire in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> let's face it, I hated that movie. You love the first one. Oh, the first one is I mean, here's Incredibles 2. That one can It just leaps down the head. I mean, Brad Bird, I, I he just didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> Brad Bird, we'll our meteorologist. We'll, we'll have to go down to the the um, Mandarin house and. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. So wait, Brad Bird said the second Incredibles was better than the first one. No, he just made the second one. So I, so he that means Brad, he lost his mind. Two different Brad Bird. Oh, my bad. I thought Brad Bird's a director, not Brad Bird the meteorologist. Our local meteorologist. Yeah. Okay, my bad. 
Man, y'all confused me there for a second. <laughs> so yeah, the Batman, new universe, new Batman, new everything. Kind of a reboot, but man, those trailers are amazing that they made so far. And let's just think about that runtime. It is two hours and 55 minutes counting credits. By far the longest Batman movie ever. And I just said Not something. by far. Rises is 240, isn't it? Counting credits. So yeah, yeah not too far. Rises, I think, is 240 plus credits. Um, let me let me verify that. This right. one you could say is a, is a three-hour Batman movie. Pretty if they much. just had five extra minutes. It's going to be long. Yeah, Dark Knight Rises is two hours and 44 minutes with credits. Dang. So that means it's about 235 without, 236. That means this movie's only five minutes less than Endgame or six minutes. Wow. Yes. Most? Yes. I mean, it, it, is the second, it is the second longest superhero movie ever released. In theaters. So, yeah, I mean, if we don't count theaters, We've first got the place Snyder is the cut. Snyder Cut. Second place is Watchmen, both by Zack Snyder, Watchmen Extended Edition. Then there's Dawn of Justice. Then there's Dawn of Justice. Yeah, you're wait a minute. Which one's longer, in gamers, Dawn of Justice? In game, in game. Okay, so in game, only slight. In game, in game is slightly, slightly longer, I think, than Dawn of Justice extended or ultimate edition. Yes. So yeah, the Batman, man, like it looks good. Almost running at three hours of runtime. New Batman, Garrett. You have been pumped for this movie. Like you, you've gone boldly to say in our private conversations that this could be the best Batman movie. If someone yeah. just killed heresy, how would you defend your argument? I mean, you ha- you <laughs> you don't have to look any further than the trailers. I mean, just the overall art design of this movie Parker, alone. Parker I mean, was saying Park was telling me earlier, <laughs> but we've just seen the trailers. How can we know it's gonna be that good? <laughs> We, we just know i mean now listen <laughs> we, just know, we just know <laughs> we just know we now, mean, but we don't know the story of now if we did this it doesn't same, matter <laughs> if we did the same type of thought process for the last jedi we would have walked in drooling that'd be the best film of all time <laughs> i had some good trailers and the rise of skywalker had better trailers. oh yeah, Rise of Skywalker had. Wait Skywalker. a minute, which movie had better trailers? Oh, Rise, Rise of Skywalker, Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker for sure. R O S. No, Art. No, um, Rise R O S. Cross. The- R O S. Cross. That's it. The Rise of Skywalker. Which probably didn't. I'm sure I had terrible trailers in 2005. But yeah, so yeah, like you just said, the trailer and. You pointed out before just how remarkable, like, it just looks more like a classic comic book or Arkham video game Gotham. Yeah, it's... Uh, None of us are the most biggest comic book guys, but man, it does. It's poised to be the most... The truest version of Batman, at least this Batman that they're trying to tell. Because they're trying to tell a story of a very young Batman, heavily inspired from the year one comics, in which Batman, Batman slash Bruce Wayne is really finding his place in Gotham. Um, He struggles with being overly, uh, overly violent against crime, um, struggling just as a, as a younger man, um, 
So this is, it's going to present a very unrefined Batman. And it's from the trailers and the synopsis that has, that they've released so far. I mean, it's really going to focus on the Wayne family and um, how the Riddler will undoubtedly tie into that. It, I heard in the synopsis that the movie takes place during Bruce's second year as Batman. Dang. So that's, so that's very, very early in his career. And keep in mind, this is not a story like, it, it's not being set up really as a arc like Christopher Nolan told in the Dark Knight trilogy in which, yeah. you know, Batman was just there for what, uh, a year maybe, and then he's gone and rises. Um, this yeah. is a this is a much uh, well a year for the first two movies and then an eight year eight year break. So Batman only had a two year career. R- well, r- yeah, pretty much, pretty wow. much, because the Dark Knight does not take place very very long after Begins. Um, but this this new film is going to be much more rooted in the comics, where Batman fights crime in Gotham for you know over a decade. So, um, I mean. Kind of like in Batman v Superman in the DCEU continuity, which has Justice League and all that, is like 20 years into Batman. In fact, the Batman was originally supposed to be a Ben Affleck prequel, where Ben a- was about Ben Affleck, or maybe it was actually a sequel, actually, but took place in the DCEU continuity. So the same continuity as Justice League, Suicide Squad, <laughs> uh, Batman v Superman, Shazam. And it was about, you know, the Batman by ben affleck but we're, but then they changed because ben affleck left now yeah. i might be the only person on- ben affleck was also going to direct the film as well yeah. um but they they ended up um cutting that and offered it to matt reeves who is uh matt matt reeves bargained for uh the batman he he uh, wanted to tell a very particular story and he negotiated with Warner Brothers in DC and to get the story that he wanted to tell. I respect uh, that because that means a visionary is doing it. Someone who has a story they want to tell and they're going to tell it. Kind of like Zack Snyder or George Lucas or Peter yeah. Jackson. Like it's better whenever those people, I think overall, it's better when those people do it than mere corporations make movies. Yeah, it's uh, and even down to the decision to cast Robert Pattinson for Batman, which there was a very uh, there was a major poll, um, or not poll, um, petition that released online to uh, to make Warner Brothers cut Robert Pattinson when he was first revealed. Well, that'd be a pretty short movie if they cut Robert Pattinson from the movie. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it got a lot of signatures. There was a, there was quite a bit of backlash um, when they revealed Pattinson was going to play the bat. Um, but, you know, that the same thing happened with Heath, Heath Ledger. So, you know, um, eat that fans, but um so yeah, the, the Batman's just got so much going for it right now. And the the, the recent runtime reveal just does nothing but add fuel to the fire, in, in my opinion. Um, and the director says it's going to be almost like a horror movie. He says it's going to be very no-ear. Um, it's going to be very much a crime movie. Not as much a superhero movie. It's going to be a crime movie. Psychological thriller, I think, as well. Uh, in, in some ways. Now, probably not as much as Joker. Oh, was, no, you can't. Yeah. It because it, it will be a PG thirteen. Is Batman. it PG thirteen? Yes, yes, it's PG thirteen. They they revealed that the uh, rating was 
the exact same rating as Batman Returns, which is very interesting because those they will probably both go down as the two darkest Batman movies. Not counting The Dark Knight. Yes, counting Dark Knight. Darkest, not not by content. Uh, I'm not talking about content. I'm talking about light visual aesthetic, um, the atmosphere around it more more than the content. Right. More more than content. So, yeah, this movie. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward. I think I've probably said this before on the podcast. The Riddler. I think they're going to make the Riddler a really neat villain. They're going to do a good job doing him. And just change what the way we think about the Riddler. Yeah. And there yeah, are, Riddler's gonna be great. Um there are three plus villains in the movie. There's at least three villains. Have you seen a picture of the Riddler's costume? Yeah. It's so different. No. Not uh only only what's in the trailers. But uh I I think it's really gonna be interesting too, Batman's relationship with Catwoman in this new movie, who meets Catwoman early like he did in Rises. Um so that'll be a very interesting, interesting look. And it it looks it's very much like Arkham, it appears. Like their their relationship is uh partly they're partly friends and then they can turn into adversaries as well. But um, sometimes, sometimes. Hello. That'll be pretty good. Awesome. We actually, we actually, we cut out for a second, which to our listeners, we are doing this over Zoom. Unlike we are. So that might, that, I don't know if that makes our quality better or worse, honestly, but so what was that last thing you said? Like Catwoman and Batman meet much earlier? Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll be meeting and interacting with each other early in Batman's career as opposed to late in his career, like like was portrayed in Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be, a, that'll be a return to, you know, the comics. Um, Catwoman is a very iconic, one of the most iconic Batman characters. Yeah. Um, she's part villain, part... heroin yeah so so that'll be interesting to see and you know the director's gonna have almost three hours to play around with this stuff you know and fully immerse us in this arkham-esque gotham that they're creating i'm just Just, looking forward to a batman movie parker i know i'm taking putting you on spot for this but what do you think about the batman well after you two, I know. After we me to goof watch, off about it, you forced me to watch the trailer as you were going and over and over. I finally got to the place where I'm mildly interested in the art style. <laughs> yes, but that's you're mildly story. interested. Shame. Notice he said nothing about the story, which is clearly a mystery. The story. It's a mystery. It's a movie that, if it weren't for the two of you, I really wouldn't be that. I wouldn't be excited about it. But, why on earth not it's a batman 
it's clear. As you guys have been so into it, I've had to wonder why I'm not as into it. <laughs> why are you? My best conclusion is that I'm suffering from the Spider-Man 4 unforgiveness syndrome we had with Amazing Spider-Man 1. <laughs> okay. I, no one, I didn't even want to see the movie because I was mad they didn't continue what they did before. And short. Hashtag release the Snyderverse. Uh, you know, like Zack Snyder had a good thing going and they took that away from him. I mean, and shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. And now. But this is not. just, this is unrelated it's, to that, Parker. It's, it's, no, that, it's, existing, it's existing in its own. Right. In its oh, own and I, that's okay. I'm not saying that, but it's because Amazing Spider-Man turned out to be good. Right. But I, at the time of its release, it didn't feel good because they kind of squ- used, they had to squash on, they had to step on something to do it. I mean, but but actually, also, it's probably just because I've already seen a really, really good Batman on cinema, and I don't, Ben, Affleck. I don't see. Well, I'm referring to the Nolan trilogy, oh, but there is. All, I do like. I Batman love Ben Affleck. Batman. He's probably my favorite Batman. But and Parker, I, Parker, I I appreciate everything you say about Nolan's trilogy because it is a masterpiece that will never be truly matched. But that is a very um, what's the word? It's a very untrue representation of Batman. A good, um, a good untrue. Representation. Yes, it's yeah. a good untrue. So I don't want to, I don't want to slight, slight the trilogy with that. But it, it's a very much a Nolan film. It's not, it's not as much a Batman movie as it is a Christopher Nolan trilogy. You know, it's, it's a very modern. It's as if Batman took place in the modern world. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not at all how the comics portray the character. The, the comics portray the character in this very, very fictional city um, with a very fictional atmosphere and uh, yeah. characters and stories. So I, I love how the Batman is, is going to delve deep into that. I mean, it's, it's like going back to 1989 and 1992 Batman, just with today's technology and... and animated series with it that is cool too, because they say yes. that the musical theme is resembling uh the one that michael giacchino released the other which day. shout out to michael giacchino it. Yes. it is released the whole the whole theme is released his version and it is pretty good it's really good uh, it's brilliant I, i'm well the first time i saw the trailer i felt like the movie would be i i feared that the movie would lack any sort of heroism to it with his like I'm vengeance quote and like how dark it looked. But I realized that's that's just the trailer and the movie hasn't been released yet. And it will probably be a movie that I like and that I'll really like because I'll probably see it with y'all. Um, but if it right. were me isolated by myself, I would have been like, so okay. Usually I, I do think it, I, I am interested in it now, but it's been more a result of y'all's influence. So, now you know you Parker, you know that I'm vengeance quote is nothing but fan service. I oh. see I didn't I didn't catch that. You but, know that's nothing but fan service. I mean, that's like that's the that's the holy trilogy of sentences ever spoken in possibly all of animated TV series is, is I am vengeance, <laughs> I am the night. I am Batman, and that's Kevin Conroy. So okay. you you, well, can say, you can't say anything about I am Vengeance. That that that's nothing but fan service. So usually when we go to theaters, Garrett sits in the middle, and me and Parker <laughs> on the other side. This one, Parker <laughs> in the middle, surrounded by us too. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll be reaching across and grabbing him <laughs> and shaking him with hands. <laughs> I think they have a clip of the Riddler that they released. I haven't seen Dude, it, but I think they do. Like him at a funeral or something, and like he, something goes wrong, he terrorizes it. Ooh. Well, Garrett, if you have time left for about 17 minutes, I believe we should move on to our third topic for the night. Let's go on do it. Sweet. So, the Middle Earth show. We've talked about it for months upon months here on We Love That Podcast. In fact, we can go back to episode four, a new episode of We Love That Podcast. <laughs> yes. And we uh, can see that we talked about it. The Middle Earth show. It's been something we've been excited about for months upon months now. Amazon's making a Middle Earth show. I'm like so stoked for it. Looking forward to it. And finally comes out later this year they just today not today i'm sorry just this past week have released the title and a trailer so i'd love for us to just talk a minute about that so before we move on to the title i'm just going to read you the show's synopsis the show takes place during the second age which means it's going to be full of lore for lord of the rings which hopefully will be amazing if they do it justice the synopsis for the show according to OneRing.net, was Amazon Studios' forthcoming series brings to screens for the very first time the heroic legends of the fabled Second Age of Middle-Earth's history. This epic drama is set thousands of years before the events of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, and will take viewers back to an era in which the great powers were forged, kingdoms rose to glory and fell to ruin, unlikely heroes were tested, hope hung by the finest of threads, and the greatest villain that ever flowed from Tolkien's pen threatened to cover all the world in darkness. Beginning in a time of relative peace, the series follows an ensemble cast of characters, both familiar and new, as they confront the long-feared reemergence of evil to Middle-earth. From the darkest depths of the Misty Mountains, to the majestic forests of the elf capital of Linden, to the breathtaking island Kingdom of Numenor, my favorite part of the whole synopsis, to the furthest <laughs> reaches of the map, these kingdoms and characters will carve out legacies that will live on long after they are gone. And the name of the show is the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. And they made an interesting little reveal trailer for it. Garrett, what are your thoughts on that? When you saw the trailer and you saw the, the, the title. Now, granted, it is just announcing the title. It wasn't like a full-fledged trailer, just for our audience to know. What were your thoughts? Well, the, the title reveal was... Uh not at all what I expected. Um, I expected this show to, to be a very different, to be a branching off from the two main stories that have been told on screen Hobbit uh, live action, which is the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. I expected it to branch out and um, sort of give this overview of what the world was like before the rings. Um, but it seems like based on the title and in the title reveal, they quote the, wrong, the one ring motif. Um, it seems like they are going to focus on the rings uh, quite a bit. So that was a little odd. And I'll be, I'll be honest, when they revealed the title of the, of the show, I thought it was kind of cheap. Mm. I thought quoting the one ring motif being the only thing in the 
in the title reveal that, I mean, they didn't show us anything. It was some, you know, it never showed us anything about the show um, in the title reveal at, at all, which, and this could all change if they release a trailer for the show, but, right. but it, it really uh, struck me first as just a, a brief trailer or reveal for a cheap mobile game. <laughs> I just um, love that right there because well, there's really yeah. no no other way for me to describe it. But that's that's sort of how it that's sort of how I uh, how I processed it. And after you said that, I watched it again. It's like, well, shoot, it does look like a cheap mobile game. <laughs> <laughs> and the name of the the name of it sounds like a cheap mobile game too. It does. Man, yeah, it's crazy. And then you have Jeff Bezos coming out and saying that he wants this show to be the next Game of Thrones. Um, Which means either it's going to make a lot of money, or it's going to be filled with nudity and incest. God. Well, or both. <laughs> or both. Or both. I mean, or both. Or if it's like Game of Thrones, it will do that and still make a lot of money and have a terrible finale, leaving no yes, one and have a finale that everyone hates, except for Jeff Bezos. With a lot, yes, of because all he cares <laughs> about is the money. Shout out to Jeff Bezos. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I have to agree. The trailer is kind of like a cheap mobile games trailer, but I will say the show has vast amount of potential. I mean, oh, yeah, it still has tons of potential. Like I said, one trailer for this show could completely reverse everything that I thought about the title reveal. Yeah. yeah. I'm still stu- super stoked for this TV show. I- I've not ever been able to really get into a TV show um uh, yeah i've never i've never been that into tv shows in the first place yeah. um I, I i prefer movies and full-length films to to shows any day um i haven't i haven't had the best experience with tv shows so i'm looking forward to this possibly being my first tv show that i really get to yeah. dive into and fall in love with so mm. and what better show than it being about the beloved second age, which is another thing that me and you can geek out about over Parker because Parker because it's a more civilized return of the king today. Start returning, and I'm on my way. And he I'm said, on my way. "Now I boldly, man, when I said that made me sound narcissistic, but yeah, basically, but yeah, I I really told I told Parker this might be too much, but like, don't read Return of the King, read the Silmarillion first, so then when the show comes out." You can be ready. Like, I don't want yeah. to turn to the king and then, yeah, no, I, yeah. I want to finish. I mean, I don't want to take a break in Lord of the Rings. I wanted to read it all the way through. I mean, read the appendices and then read the Silmarillion. I mean, because technically, this this show is just based off the appendices of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> they call the Lord of the Rings appendix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the gray area that falls in between the appendices and Silmarillion content is. It's it, there's a large gray area. Like there. they're going to go all out Silmarillion vibes and a lot of it. Like the picture with the two trees, that's big in the Silmarillion. That was the picture they revealed from the first age. So they which leads me to think that if the show takes place solely in the second age, that could be a that could be a flashback to first age. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. That's, that's what it's that's what it leads me. To and we also could be getting like what they did with the Hobbit trilogy, where they take multiple canon events from the books. And they just tweak the timing of those events to actually make it more exciting. I think they will um, do something. It's possible. Now they have to tread on, they're treading on thin ice when they do that, though, because there are Tolkien scholars involved with the project. So 
That's cool. um, I mean, if they were going to do tweak the timing of, of certain events, they would have to be very careful not to, um, not to do the canon a disservice because there are a lot of things in the legendarium of Middle Earth that if you tweak some of the timing, it, it would just throw everything in limbo. So they, they have to be very careful in what they, what they change. So one thing that hit me whenever you were talking about it, Garrett, about how it's such a big emphasis on the rings is in that truly makes this a prequel to The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings to where in chronology you could watch the show, learn about the creation of the rings and how epic Sauron is as a villain. Then you can watch The Hobbit and see his return. And then you can watch The Lord of the Rings and see the finale of it all. And yeah. yes, and that, that, and that was something that struck me with it is that it's going to be something, obviously they've been building it up for the fans of the books. Right. Uh, it's something that the, the hardcore Middle Earth fans oh, are going to be able wait. to enjoy with all the fan service to the books and hopefully doing Some that really justice. Nice. But because of the way they're marketing it and the way, that, and, and by the way, when I first saw the trailer reveal, I'm so glad I hadn't heard anyone compare it to a mobile game. <laughs> yeah. Because it actually seemed cool to me when I, the first time I watched it. The CGI wasn't impressive, but I thought that the quoting of the ring motif poem assumingly by young Galadriel and the title of the show really were um, sort of foreboding to something very, very cool that I think uh, could happen. But um, anyway, um, that it's not only something that the, the hardcore fans could probably get into, but it looks like it's also going to be set up as something that casual fans of the movies or even newcomers will be able to jump right into as well. They're like, Oh, so this is about how the rings came to be and how, how it all got set up. Yeah, that's basically what it's about. And so <laughs> hopefully, I mean, that's, a, that's something that like the Mandalorian with the Star Wars universe did really well is it, it satisfied the fans, but it was something that even people that had never seen anything Star Wars could get into. Right. And the same with like the Marvel films. So if they can pull that off well and also maintain like the purity of the movies and just be something that's, relatively that's appropriate too right um it could be it could honestly be the greatest tv show ever made it has that potential let's just let's just talk about what's at stake with the show like they could easily make the show just be appropriateness level quality level as most other shows but i just feel like with tolkien and jackson's trilogy there's just a certain high of the show of the movies and the books that's above a lot of the stuff they put in modern television. Like, say what you want about personal thoughts and philosophy about sexual scenes and all that, but either way, Tolkien's books nor the, the great trilogy that made so much money had anything like that or cuss words galore or anything like that. So I just hope that the show has that same appropriateness level as the movies did because mm-hmm. they were just so much better than... They were so above they were, yeah. that like hollywood uh typical hollywood trash that that and maybe that's to come because um, it was a new not, not that film. they always oh were, no no not not that the people that made them were but they were able to keep that out of the final project right. for the most part and maybe that comes from it was a new zealand made film like by a new zealander maybe. that's just a thought um, and, just out and, of and, the book. and i have, I have to throw this the author too i want to throw this in there too is that you know yes the Lord of the Rings is just above all of that yeah. Hollywood crap that is produced nowadays. But at the same time, 
there is some dark stuff in the Silmarillion. There is. Um, and I, I think we have to we have to appreciate the fact that the Silmarillion is a it's much more of a I mean, yes, there are tales of heroism and just all out greatness in the Silmarillion that you just you just love for it. Um, I, I'll I'll never forget the opening. It's such a the, mythology. Such a uh, mythology. Yeah, I mean, I'll never forget the opening of the of Baron and Luthien tale because Tolkien in the Silmarillion, and and I'm assuming, I'm assuming here that it was mainly Christopher's hand putting this story where he put it in the, like in the Silmarillion book proper. But he tucks it in there in between some really dark chapters of the book. Yeah. And it's one of the most hopeful um, epic stories in the book. And he talks about how, you know, amidst all of the dark tales that that happened back, you know, millennia ago in Middle Earth, there were tales that truly, you know, had hope and... um, showcased good over evil um but yeah there there were some dark things that happened in in the er, early part of middle earth there was you know the kin slaying the the burning of the ships and i mean you know there the the whole children of huron arc was just rough to read i mean what what happens to that family and the story of akalabeth which i hope is in the movie because Acalabas in the second age it's the fall of Numor it's like the story of Atlantis where it all sinks to the bottom of the ocean it's such a tragic story but it's just so good and Sauron plays such a humongous role Sauron in the show is going to be amazing and we we must have Benedict Cumberbatch reprise his role yes for Sauron (laughs) because Sauron shapeshifts into the form of a human without the mask sometimes he played it in the Hobbit Benedict Cumberbatch could do it yeah they're spending so much money on this show. Why not spend a little yeah, bit more right. on Benedict Cumberbatch? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Because it will be the most expensive TV show ever made. So if this show was massively successful, should they do a lot of other Middle Earth productions? Like they are making the anime movie, which came out of nowhere. They are. So should they do others? Like should we see a first age TV show from a Silmarillion era or spinoffs or other things like that, or should you try to keep it small? So Honestly, I don't care. Um, true. For me, Middle Earth is so untainted now. I mean, I, would not, well, I wouldn't care at all if they canceled this show. You know, yeah. if, if, they, if they came out first thing tomorrow morning and said, hey, this was a bad we, idea. We had to cancel the project, you know, for, for whatever reason, you know that they can blame it on COVID or whatever. But for whatever reason, we have to cancel the show. I'm like, fine. Right. You know, because the six is enough. Yeah. But I mean, on the flip side, yeah, I'm excited for the show. I, I hope it does well. I hope it's a success. Realistic. Um, if they try, if Amazon tries to uh, grab up some money with, with Middle Earth and try to, you know, make a whole lot of money off, off of Tolkien's works, you know, that that's all fine and good if they want to try that. But the, the fans of middle earth are so true to, to the author and the essence of his works that they know how to discern what's canon and what's not, you know, if, if anyone tries to mess with, with middle earth and change it up, 
um, the fans just won't accept it, and they're, they would be well within their rights not to because there's people have to realize there is so much source material for Middle Earth. It's not like some uh, vague creation that, I mean, I hate to compare it to Star Wars, but I will. I'll, I'll compare it to Star Wars. Lucas created Star Wars, but he had no idea. He had no even, he couldn't even come close to the source material that Tolkien has for his work. So, you know, Star Wars was was ruined back in, you know, 2018, 2017. But, Ouch. Um, you know, Middle Earth is, it's above, I, I would say it's above that too. You know, if, if uh, the, the canon and the, the world is already so well determined and so well set in stone that they're, you really can't touch it. And if you, if you tried to defile it, there's, there's no way that would be a success. So, yeah, you know, who cares? Who cares what future projects may hold? At least Amazon got the rights to do it and not Netflix because they were in a bidding war. Ooh. And how fitting is it that Amazon, a company that got its start in books, is adapting some of the most popular. It's true. It's I'd doing the biggest, the biggest book to TV show uh, adaptation. Most expensive that's ever too. been done. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and that's uh, Amazon getting it gives me hope and also kind of, kind of doesn't but you know we'll we'll see we'll, we'll all see and you know regardless of how disney it turns out it? as i said you know who cares is it better than disney getting it anything is better than disney getting it because and, and netflix getting it would be better than disney getting oh, it because that, disney has that, everything and crazy. you know it, it's just the, the more stuff that disney acquires the worse it is for the entertainment industry as a whole in my opinion yeah. Especially when you're talking about major, major worlds and arcs like Middle Earth and Star Wars and Marvel, and you know, the 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 least that Disney can get their dirty little hands in, the better. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. I believe that's everything. Thank you all so much for listening to an amazing episode of We Love That Podcast. Well, I, I hope it was amazing. I thought it was amazing, I guess. Do we love this episode? We do, because this oh, episode had to do with the Batman. Yeah, <laughs> therefore making it good. Yes, now, because Batman we know the movie's good. Watch the, watch the Batman come out and be just awful as can be. And we look back at <laughs> these episodes and be like, wow. We know the rule. <laughs> and I'll be right all along, like the reserved. Just imagine, <laughs> if we were, just imagine if we were doing Wheel of That podcast when episode eight came out, The Last Jedi, and before Hamilton. Oh, I would love to hear all We would have been like, this is the best thing ever, and then the movie comes out. <laughs> yeah. Well, now The Rise of Skywalker would be a different story. Oh, very different story. Well, my name is Daxton Pritchett, along with Parker Pritchett and Garrett Burke. Parker, it was wonderful having you joining us. I'm glad to, glad to get to join at last. That's right. We are so happy about that. And we will it see took you until season two, but he finally he finally broke in on us. <laughs> he did. All right. We'll see y'all. See y'all stay safe.